All right, three, two, one. Wow, right on time. John Cale time. Connecting the classics. Back again. Got to talk a little bit about John Cale. Jury's still out on which one of us is John Cale, which one of us is Lou Reed. Hey, you know more than I know, but I definitely know this is John Cale singing right now. And we don't need any threats, as he says, because you know more than I know, and this is Connecting the Classics, competitive radio hour, where Lee and I connect two classic albums using six songs of separation, Kevin Bacon style. Got a fun one this week. Uh, I think I started things off with, uh, I kind of gave you a weird one, but uh, I went with this German band, um, a coworker of mine in a, you know, what was it? Like a uh, Secret Santa album exchange gave me this album. And uh, I got to be honest, I loved it. I uh, hadn't listened to it in a while, gave it a re-listen and decided to choose it for this episode. Do you have it on because vinyl or speak, CD? Uh, CD. But um, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this album title because I can't do German. So maybe ask you. It's five years of Zuviel. I don't know. Five years. Fünf. Um, yeah, let's just do a general disclaimer for connecting the classics that we might mispronounce every single artist's yeah. name and song name. But... We don't mean to. It is it's a by greatest trio. hits trio. You can pronounce that. Artist is trio. It's a greatest hits comp, but it's one of those ones that's kind of done in during their discography, which I think ends up usually being better. I think than some of the retrospective greatest hits style compilations. Yeah. So then I fired back, and we'll get into it later. But fired back with KMD's second album, Black Bastards. But let's get into some trio. All right, yeah, I love the KMD pick. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, I know you got quite a bit of knowledge on um, that sort of era. Hey, you know more than I know. But for Trio, uh, the song I went with was one of my favorites. I think it just sort of uh, captures how quirky this band is. It's kind of this weird mix of pop and almost like uh, Devo-type rock. song I went with is Sabine. Oh, what year is this? Uh, Let's see. What was the original? I would guess 80s, early 80s. Very like Beatles-esque. So is this Kraut Rock? No, this I wouldn't call this Kraut Rock. This is more pop. Too pop than Kraut Rock. I guess because that's what I was expecting when you gave me the pick. So then I was pleasantly surprised by what I heard. So I want you to help listeners here with some of this uh, German slang. Wie geht's? Genau, genau. We don't translate either. Hello? 
Sabine? 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 Uh, uh, How are you? Or what? How's it go? Pass mal auf. Genau is a great German word. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the radio. Und wir hatten diese Musik im Radio und da musste ich natürlich an dich denken. Weil du ja auch letztes Mal gesagt hattest, ich soll Talking over the music like Lou Reed. Totally. Hast du gesagt, ja. Doch, bestimmt. I just love how there's this very like doo-wop Beatles style song and then this guy just like on a random phone call. Hallo? Hallo? Sabine? Sabine? Nee, 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 ich dachte nur, dass du dann äh, mal rumkommst. Ja, wie? Wie, wie? Äh, nee, ach, weißt du doch. Ja. Nee, 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 nee. Nee, das, das, das sehe ich nicht so. Nee, das, das muss ja auch So, I did mention it sounds sort of like a Beatles song. That's not a coincidence. Uh, this album was produced by Klaus Vermin, who is a, a great friend of the Beatles. I don't know if you read about him. Um, and he was the producer, so I think I would imagine that the idea behind this song was very much an homage to the Beatles. I'm going to give you a thousand points for that. We give each other points on this podcast. Whose line is it anyway? Style, but they don't matter. We'll talk a little bit more about Klaus oh, for my next lecture. Nee, nee, so uh, yeah, I'm curious Klaus, your thoughts. Klaus was nee, German as well. Nee, 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 nee. Yes, Klaus was German. <laughs> and he hung like, out with no, the Beatles from a lot. Iowa. Uh, during their time. Yeah, yeah he's from Iowa. <laughs> Coincidental. He hung out with them when they were in uh, Hamburg. I mean, that's not so it almost feels like a little like reggae vibe on this song too in the background you know yeah just some relaxing so I couldn't find a ton on trio uh, it seems that they were had a little moment of fame because of a Volkswagen commercial oh <laughs> uh, one of their hits kind of got that sounds big. about right but um, yeah I'm curious your thoughts I would definitely buy a car if this was playing in the background and definitely a Volkswagen. Uh, I kind of want to buy a Volkswagen right now. I can already picture the ad driving down the Autobahn. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I like the album a lot. Like I said, it wasn't exactly what I expected. Um, you, you told me that it's not available on any streaming services and then sent me a Discogs link. So my first reaction was, <laughs> wow, I'm going to have to buy this album on vinyl and get it delivered from Germany. Um, but then you graciously put together a YouTube playlist for me of your track listing order that preferred track listing order of the greatest hits album yeah so that was part of why i made you that playlist is i really liked the track order of this greatest hits all these songs existed on their original albums but i wanted you to hear that sequencing oh, that i, had I originally see. heard i like that um yeah, yeah so yeah sat outside in a lawn chair put on the youtube playlist and uh you know got interrupted by ads every song but it was still good <laughs> It definitely, like, I feel like it kind of has that, like, sunny day, like, relaxing vibe. Also, a lot of English lyrics, which I wasn't expecting. Totally. Like, mix Going of in and German English. and English. But, yeah, I kind of was, I guess, expecting some obscure, like, avant-garde Krautrock band from the 80s. But 
yeah. was pleasantly surprised. That's great. But not that that would be bad. We'll do can, con next. Can? Con? Can. Can. We, we don't promise to pronounce anything correctly on the show, but we'll do that next week. <laughs> Add that to our disclaimer. Yeah. Um, um, so you fired back with KMD. I'm curious. Yeah, I guess I was reasoning. thinking about it because basically because I was thinking about sort of like lost albums where you sent me this album that you couldn't listen to anywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, could have gone Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy, could have gone Dr. Dre, The Chronic 2. Nice. No, but yeah, this album has kind of like that backstory where it was obviously Electra canceled it. Um, it was going to be KMD's second album and the record label basically squashed it because of the artwork, which is uh-huh. like a... Uh, basically cartoon character yeah racist caricature being hung from a noose and then there's like a couple letters of the album title missing um and we were talking about cop killer last week so it happened kind of around maybe around the same time i don't know exactly Mm -hmm. within a few years a couple years of each other Mm -hmm. um and it's like kind of a underground rap version of it and uh also last week you were talking about lou reed being from long island yeah, and uh, it made me think of another group from Long Island. So let's let's launch into it. This is Sweet Premium Wine. Nice. Just feel like this is a great example, aside from being a catchy song. Let's have a drink. You're drinking too much of that wine of yours. Good example of like everything that they did. Like these little like vocal samples at the beginning. Produced by Subrock, R.A.P., who is also part of the story. Um, yeah. Do you want to get like, into that? Yeah, just kind of how this album sort of became a legend, a folkloric thing of its own. I'll get into it in a second. First name Al, last name Keyholic. Got Zeb Love X. Yeah, so basically, um, as you know, I was doing research on basically MF Doom for uh, the uh, Swallows and Ives book on Mad Villain coming out. Get your pre orders in yeah. now. 33 and a third. But yeah, I admittedly didn't know as much about KMD until later, like yeah. after knowing about MF Doom, you know, because I feel like it's kind of before our time, but uh, doing more deeper dives into it. It's great album, but this isn't really the best example of it, but this album compared to like their first album is kind of darker and stuff. And we'll be getting the kind of their inspiration behind it in the next connection. But they're always kind of like politically charged band, but they also knew how to make some hits. But also this album just kind of, another reason I picked it is based on your pick of trio. Like, you know, this album was like, so Subrock died basically 
I think 1993. It might be getting my dates. We don't promise to get our dates right on this. <laughs> uh, but it was obviously like, you know, tragic accident. And then a year later, the album got shelved and like KMD got dropped from the label. But it had already kind of been reviewed at, like by the source with a favorable review, favorable review. And like, you know, radio stations had it and stuff, so it circulated in bootlegs, but it didn't actually come out until I think like 1999 or something like that. So it was another thing where it was like, this album was kind of like a legend in and of itself, even when no people had like maybe heard some of the songs on like demos or stuff like that, which I feel like, I guess Trio didn't turn out to be that obscure or whatever, but when you were describing it, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I'll also quickly add that um, I don't know if you got to it, but part of why I think they got dropped was also when DJ Subrock died suddenly from that hit and run. Yeah, I was kind of talking about that. So yeah, that happened like a year before the album got canceled, but it was already done and scheduled to come out and stuff. So yeah, just bad stuff all around. But I really enjoyed it. It felt like I was, you know, this, what I love about this podcast is I got to sit down and listen to the full album and it made me realize a lot more about MF Doom's sound, you know, that would happen 10 years later. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why I picked this one too. Like the narrator clips or like the s- different samples at the totally. beginning and like stitched together yep. narrator clips, which like, yeah, I think a lot of that was his brother's influence who produced this track and then also i mean other people were doing it around the same time as them but Mm -hmm. it's definitely like a unique version of it that you're right comes up later i'll give you a thousand points for that nice oh also on suspended animation on black bastards they sample nine millimeter goes bang yeah i heard that that was great you're connecting episodes of connecting the classics so i'll give you uh 100 points that's a callback that's a hundred points Oh, and then also one of the people who I um, did an interview with of Dante Ross, who's the A&R of this album, um, he said Sub was more the scientist, the technician, which I really like that uh-huh. quote because he said like basically Zev Love X, who became Doom, was like, you know, had crazy ideas, whereas his brother was there to like, kind of reel him in. So maybe yeah. a little John Cale, Lou Reed situation going on. Wow. There. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but that was my John Cale get out of jail free card. Um, and I'm going to pass it back to you. Love it. All right. So we were talking about the Beatles. I was kind of teasing my next connection here. Um, so Klaus Vermin, who, um, produced that trio record, um, was also great friends with, uh, George Harrison, uh, and Ringo as well as Paul McCartney, uh, during their time when the Beatles, in their early days were learning how to gig basically in Hamburg, Germany. Oh, they were, they were gigging. They were gigging. So I'm going to launch into one of my favorite German translations of a Beatles song, because it's just hilarious. Uh, this is the Beatles. Yeah, 
Do you leave Duke? I'm surprised he didn't do a loop up. She leaped dick, she leaped dick. Sucking on my ding dong. Ding dong. Just doing all callbacks now. It's a serial podcast. All right, all right. Let me get to the serious stuff. So, do you know the story about the Beatles in Hamburg? No, I know nothing. You know more than Super I know. Super fascinating. Uh, connecting to memories here, you and I went to Berlin, and then after Berlin, uh, I forget where you went. I think you went back to the United States. I went on to Hamburg and learned all about how the Beatles used to play on their, like, basically their Vegas strip. It's called the Raperbahn. And uh, they just would do a show or even two shows every day. And so they just got insanely, like, good at playing. Is this before they were famous or after they were famous? Way before. This is the very beginning. This is how they... This is, like, where they... uh, Earn their chops. What the hell so is that? So, was there a scene of this sort of thing going on in Hamburg or no? Yeah, yeah. So, it's a whole club scene. So, the Raperbahn is just like a series of clubs. It's this big strip. Uh, and so, they would just play shows every night. And that's actually where they they didn't wow, originally we're have be Ringo. That web later. They didn't originally have Ringo as their drummer, and he was playing in a different band uh, that would frequent the Raperbahn. And they were like, "Oh, you're a better drummer," and so they recruited him. Wait, what's it called? The Graper Bond? Raper Bond, so R-E-E-P-E-R. I heard it through the Raper Bond. doesn't really work. <laughs> Minus five points. Yeah, so I thought it'd be good just to uh, give an homage to the Beatles' origin. Um, they learned some of their songs in German to please the crowd. Is that the Beatles playing right so. there? Yeah, that was the Beatles. That was actually the Beatles performing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm going to give you uh, Ina Million points for that. Nice. Do you know what that means? Yeah, they they Ina were in. Million? No, what is that? It means Ina. It means a million. Ina? Ina Million. A million. I'm oh, going to give myself minus okay. a million. Go ahead. But yeah, they were there for like several years. Um, They were like 17, 18, 19. I guess they were old enough to get into clubs. This could be a whole thing where you're just like pranking me on um, easily Googleable. Like, I could easily disprove you by Googling this, and you're just completely making this up and just that they played in Germany. But yeah, a long prank on me over the series of episodes. No, but I believe you. She, but she I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that was great. All right, I'll pass All it right. back. All right. So you were talking about us going to Berlin. Um, we also almost. I was going to mention we how we almost went to Long Beach just to walk around and record the sounds where uh, Long Beach, Long Island, where KMD, you know, was recording their albums. And there's now yeah. KMD slash MF Dubois. But basically, we'll, we're going to launch into this because this album was kind of inspired by Guy Lynn Kane, who was one of the last poets, and his album, Look Out for the Blue Gorilla. So launch it into Look Out for, for the Blue Gorilla, the last song on the album. Wait, which album? On Guyland Kane, look out for the blue gorilla. Okay. Because this whole album is like sampled really heavily throughout KMD's album. And it's kind of like a free jazz album where there's like. Well, we get into some free jazz. Basically, spoken word poetry. 
by Guylan Kane, who's a founding member of The Last Poets. You know, life ain't nothing but a river. Along with Felipe Luciano and David Nelson. Just moving through an empty hand. Last Poets is a um, the art said, group. Ain't nothing but a river. Yeah, they're from Harlem. Moving through an empty hand. You can hold on if you want to. But Lord, when the truth is the fan. Um, so like at the beginning Smack of Sweet Premium Wine that we heard, century. it's a Machine clip from this album black. where he says, you black bastards. Smack dab in the 20th century. Obviously that's the album title. Machine guns on every block. You know a big stick don't make a shepherd if you can't control the flock. You better rise up, Rudyard Kipling. I don't he know what that Rudyard Kipling reference is, but I thought that was interesting. I said you better rise up, Rudyard Kipling. Guy who wrote the Jungle Book. thinks the end of the night. Oh, I see. There was a lot of like to all your tongue-in-cheek sons references to racist stereotypes and from Chairman Mao. language. Yeah. Tell him. Like the constipated monkeys stuff. Did you catch how there was always stuff about poop? Tell him you yeah. can't shit the shitter, baby. Because yeah, that comes from this album too. No matter how hard. <laughs> right as you say poop, he's like, you can't shit the shitter. You better look out for the blue gorilla. But yeah, I was gonna say talk about like. You better look out for the blue gorilla. You better look out for the blue gorilla. Like cop killer and uh, censorship of lyrics or whatever. This kind of became another example of it because. They were like the last poets who were in target of the Cointel Pro, you know, or like looked at as like terrorist day, organization, you know. Mm-hmm. As we were traveling on our way, I think he calls Joni Mitchell a bitch or something. Ooh. Traveling on Highway 44, moving through Missouri. In fact, I can't stay with you very long. The I name of the last poets was taken sky. from. <laughs> I can't pronounce his last name, but, but here, Earl Sweatshirt's dad. The South Once African we poet. On our way, oh, nice. Because he had a poem about talking about how it's the last era of poetry <laughs> before guns take over the world. Lord and you see, I also like some of the little like, sound effects they do on this the track. Hallelujah. The stuff in the background. Yeah, Out there in the Midland, lowland of the Midwest. They got in New York. Never had. All those collected gray entrapments. Out there is nothing but sky and land. And we were moving on this hill. And you see on the side of the road. Yeah. You know the side of the road. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. Well, with them, them huge multicolored Grand Canyon style. Um, Philippe. I like Felipe Luciano. Quote I found of his about uh. The blues. And he said, white boys won't even let us control our moans. They now sing the blues that comes from 19 years of easy living. Wow. And it seemed as though we reached a level where... Probably talking about the Beatles. We were entering the gates of heaven. And out from behind one of these rocks as we were moving on our way, going through the Garden of Gethsemane, moving on up to the Mount of Olives, as God is my witness, swear to God, out from behind one of these rocks, 
came something looking very much like a blue gorilla. You better look at him. He had a big apple cap. He had an M14 X on his side. And he was. Um, should have chosen a shorter song. Hitching a ride. No, I'm okay with length. I said, hey, baby, who are you? He said, Jesus I don't have too Christ. much to add. Just like that, he did. Without <laughs> getting canceled. No, just kidding. I said, you know one thing? He said, what's that, baby? Can, this can be a lost episode. I said, no, they didn't crushing. accept you 2,000 years ago. No, They're I, not going to accept you now. Lost albums, you know, so this podcast. But the blue gorilla, yeah, he just looked at me. I'm going to be honest. I don't under, I don't smile his heavenly smile. fully understand this, but I like it. Grin his or all like knowing grin. The blue gorillas. And then he said, Cain. I mean, to, to talk about tangential <laughs> stuff it reminds me of a lot of Gil Scott Heron type. Yeah, I think they were around the same time. Poetry. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say is like a lot of people kind of. Which I didn't really know about this, but a lot of people kind of consider it like an early form of hip hop, which I think is debatable. But I think, obviously, I mean, obviously, hip hop is like inspired by it. Moving through an empty hand. Hip hop's inspired by a lot of stuff too. He said, "Life ain't nothing but a river." Yeah. But just moving through. I think it is kind of like with trio too, you know, just talking over music or like the Velvet Underground. Or rappers, I think you better look out for the for some gorilla. reason. I personally like when people just talk over music. You better look out for the blue gorilla. It does feel you a bit like out, that sound look that out, look out, Kendrick kind of revitalized. Look out, look out. Yeah, well, I think even like I heard, um, look out for the blue gorilla, Gylon, uh, Gil, Gylon, I we don't pronounce it right, Gylon okay. Kane's uh, son is Khalil Kane who played Raheem and Juice. And I watched an interview with him where he was talking about Good his dad. And he was saying, like, Fela Kuti and, like, naming all these musicians that would just rotate around, like, in and out of his life growing up. And it was kind of just, you know, like, live music was really valued at that time, I feel. Kind of like the Beatles in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, there is a lot of value to kind of having a live scene where you can hone your craft. And obviously recordings are important because it's how we can keep listening to this stuff. But, you know, if the music is lost to the sands of time in the the Hamburg desert, then is that such a bad thing if you were around to experience it, you know? And then the legend lives on with people talking about it. But I'll pass mm-hmm. it back. Nice. Put that over music. Yeah. Um, all right. So we were talking about. Which, by the Jimmy way, talking Deke. over music, I said, is my favorite form of music. And, you know, podcast yep. is jazz. And this entire podcast is just me talking over. Podcast just talking over music. Actual, like, <laughs> yeah, music you should be paying attention to. Well, we're definitely crossing over already. Um, I agree with you that this album or KMD's album, you know, really was rooted in some free jazz samples they they've sampled a lot of big artists but before we get to some of them uh we'll start with um we left off in hamburg with the beatles and uh the other thing with hamburg is and i guess berlin to effect is the turkish influence of food um hamburg is known for compere com compere you ever had that it's the baked potato dish 
K-U-M-P-I-R. But the other thing that is uniquely Turkish, uh, which we had when we had our Turkish breakfast, is launching into Herbie Mann Turkish Coffee. Hey. And Herbie Mann definitely was in that sort of free jazz scene, so... I went to Istanbul with you, right? No. I added that up. I didn't I actually didn't think so. I was like, wow, I forgot you were there. Now we had that delicious Turkish breakfast in Berlin. I remember that now. We even went. Connecting the classics. Should be our new theme song. <laughs> Fuck John Cale. Right. <laughs> so now that I know I'm not John, I'm not the John Cale of the podcast. I'm going to heart. Oh my god, John Cale. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. So I was gonna ask you, do you know what Turkish coffee is, or like what the differences are? I've looked this up before, but you know more than I know. What is it? Uh, well. It's it's not filtered, which I think is it's a, like denser, of, right, and smaller, but also somehow thicker and a little sludgier. Yeah, Aromatic, they definitely grind it up. Notes of yeah, go ahead. No, keep going. <laughs> they grind it up. Yeah, yeah, they just get it finely ground and then they uh, pour the water in. Um, but I think part of it is honestly that fancy like little ladle thing, and the way they serve it is like half of the experience the Turkish coffee but sometimes they flavor it as well which made me think of Dune and like spiced coffee you like a spiced cup or no I haven't really had it but it sounded good but yeah uh, they trace Turkish coffee all the way back to the Ottoman Empire so they kind of spread it around the entire region um, with Yemen being kind of the place where all the beans were coming from. So did coffee, was it kind of invented in multiple locations all at once or did it really start in like Ethiopia and then spread out from there? I think it might that's have started question. in Ethiopia. You know more than I know. But I think it's another thing that's kind of like a legend more than anything. And then obviously, I would like, I would buy that it, it yeah popped up in different places the same way beer or like fermented drinks did. And then kind of like the Beatles, just you know, British people just dipping into you know an American art form. Um, they kind of just colonized the world and got coffee. The I. I, I just know there's like an era when like coffee came to England and everyone's like, what the fuck? So according to Wiki, it seems like Yemen, the Yemenis, Ye- Yemen, Yemenis, are kind of credited with making coffee like its sort of modern form. They would go to Ethiopia and get the beans and then like do their own style. 
Yeah, so then it's like you wonder in the Americas and stuff because South America grows a lot of coffee beans. Totally. Well, and Indonesia, I think, has coffee. And... It's just everyone loves coffee, so it just kind of spread throughout the whole world eventually. Yeah, I would imagine it's like bread or whatever. Each culture figured out a way to use it where they could grow it. You just wonder how the seeds got there, you know? Like how recently did, this, did the plants get there, you know? Or were uh -huh. they always there? Probably in those certain regions, they were always there. Yeah. Like Ethiopia, I'm sure it was always there. And then Ethiopians kind of just learned first that they could do it, and then it spread around. Yeah, and I think the Yemenis were the ones who spread it around. Yeah, we'll give them credit. 100 points to, the, to Yemen. Well, and there's also a town, I think it's Mocha. There's a town in Yemen. Oh, yeah, that's around the corner from Cappuccino. What are we listening to here? This is Herbie Mann. So he's a, a, a Yaz flautist. Uh, you've got also Roy Ayers on vibraphone. Mm. So, uh, you know, deep in that New York jazz scene. Um, I guess I'll pass it, though. Yeah, I'll pass it. All right. He's almost going to run you. Ooh, almost went on a run, but he passed it back. And we left off Guylin Kane. Uh, the last, um, uh, not the last. That's blue the gorilla. last song. Look out for the blue gorilla. Uh, so gorilla, if you're looking it up, spelled G U E R R I L L A. Mm -hmm. Um, can you G U E S S? Any other words that start with G U E? Because that's how I'm connecting here. G-U-E is my connect. <laughs> yeah, launching into Beck. Guero. Uh, great guest. Give you a million points for that. Or I know a million points for that. Um, but this is another reason why I've kind of been thinking about lost albums lately. Um, and unfortunately, I couldn't pick this as my full album because the album's not out. It's not on streaming services and you can't buy it. Although... There's a rumor that it's coming out next year. Um, this mm -hmm. is a band I knew nothing about until I randomly heard this song by Meryl Streak called Death to the Landlord that my brother sent me. And I got to give a shout out to that. Everyone hit it hit it up on the streaming services. Best song I've ever heard. Um, and uh, <laughs> from looking up some interviews of this artist who is like this Irish guy that I've never heard of before. Um who kind of does like straightforward lyrics, just like screaming about the housing crisis. Um, he mm -hmm. mentioned another band called Guernica that, so I was kind of looking up these other bands he mentioned, cause I'd never heard of any of them. And there's no album of this band, but they were kind of popular in this scene in Dublin in the eighties. And they were like a new wave band um, who I guess kind of tried to, We'll, we'll launch into them, but this is a YouTube rip of a song that they performed on some TV show back in the 80s. And we look forward to your next work. Okay, we're going to take a bit of music now. This is from a band called Guernica. They recently came in. It's a live session. Uh, they came in last week into the studio, and this song is called New Boy. See you in the air shortly. It kind of reminds me of a trio a little bit in a weird way. Yeah, nice.
he's got a John Hale drone buzz in the background. So they got two acoustic guitars going, bassist, drummer, singer, and I guess, you know, people say they kind of brought the rockabilly sound into the new wave move movement. Kind of got like the Joy Division sound. What's the name of the band again? Guernica, G-U-E-R-N-I-C-A. So if you Google it, you might get the uh, famous Picasso painting. <laughs> What's they're named after? I don't know, but maybe. But I guess Guernica was like where the Basque nation put their parliament. And then during the Spanish Civil War, it got destroyed by German bombers, like Trio's ancestors. Um, and then Picasso painted Guernica like supposed to be like an anti-war painting. Wow, so uh, Guernica is a trio. Yeah. Oh, really? Nice. No, I think yeah. there's actually more people. There's like another band called Guernica. Are you oh, it's right not one? the Japanese. It's not yeah. the Japanese one. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's like one of those things where it's kind of hard to find information about them. And like this album has been... It was this vibrant scene of, you know, Irish, like, new wave in the 80s. Um, yeah. And they have an album called, like, something Duke Street, which I guess Duke Street in Dublin was, like, a concentrated area, like Hamburg with the Beatles, where a lot of bands would, you know, perform in the 80s. Um, it reminds me a lot of, there's a group called Cleaners from Venus. Ooh. recommend points. you and listeners check out it's the same kind of irish like pop punk it almost reminds me of, like gaslight anthem in a weird way too the kind of like rock and this is thing. 80s yeah nice um so on this article i found about the band i think it was the irish times or irish mirror or something um someone said the album and its name because their album is called the lost album is called duke street it said, the album and its name may take a certain tribe of music fans, of which I was one back in time. If you drew a line through the best live venues in 80s Dublin, from the Bagot Inn through McGonagall's to the Underground, it would cut across Duke Street. Wow. And then the article says, it was a world where bands like Guernica were briefly kings. Even the name cracked a door to an exotic place beyond the streets young music fans knew. Wow, so they're just like the Beatles in Hamburg. Yep. Weaving webs. Weaving webs. Um, and yeah, I guess they were on TV a bunch of times. I'll fade this out and pass it back. So yeah, like, we'll listen to this because like, they made demos in Wales like John Cale. Um, but I'll pass it back. Uh, and then the singer was Joe Rooney, who went on to star in this Irish sitcom that I'd never heard of until recently called Father Ted that is apparently popular huh. in Ireland. And then... He also shows up on Meryl Streak's Death to the Landlord video. So everyone go look that up. Nice. Pass it back. 
All right, we left off with some Turkish coffee. We have Herbie Mann on the flute. Uh, we I, I had mentioned earlier we were going to be crossing streams here with some free jazz. Uh, Herbie Mann is known for giving um, the father of free jazz guitar, Sonny Chirac, his start. Uh, so I went with a song from him called Who Does She Hope To Be? This is... Um, from Sonny Chirac's later, this is in the 90s. Uh, so, but it's one of my favorites. Nice. Very soulful and uh, just beautiful song. So, you know, we're kind of uh, buzzing around the KMD album. Sonny Chirac uh, was really good friends with Pharaoh Sanders, who's also sampled quite a bit on the KMD album. Wow. And uh, Sonny Chirac said he was inspired for his guitar sound by listening to Pharaoh Sanders, who was able to create this almost like squeal sound on his saxophone that he thought sounded like a voice and so Sonny tried to do the same thing with his guitar and distortion damn yeah I feel like KMD and then later MF Doom were obviously very indebted to free jazz like in the way they made music just like recording almost like sloppy at times where they could have maybe fixed it up you know and then also just like as cheesy as it sounds to say, but just kind of the ideas of free jazz being applied to everything else and like everyday life almost. Yeah. Well, I do I do love the idea that rappers or whoever, producers, will take free jazz songs and then grab this just like 10, 15 second moment that's super awesome in this larger riff. And then you create a whole new song from it. It's uh, almost like taking a social media clip out of a podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, just to compare it to something that's not. Well, I was going to compare it to Can, who you mentioned earlier, who actually used to do that. They would play for like 20 minutes, and then they'd go into the studio, and the bass player would pick his favorite moments, and he would splice together little sections and make that the song. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way of doing it. Because there is something that's different about live performance, like the Beatles and Hamburg or Guernica in Dublin, or you know, even Camp D back in New York. Something different about live music versus recorded music, and when you can kind of make one inform the other, it's interesting. Yeah. I guess we're t- if we're talking Picasso, we're talking art styles. I I know what postmodern means, but I'm almost like I guess everything is just postmodern. So what's the point of even calling it that? You know? Yeah, I thought about this a lot. So I learned about postmodernism in sort of the context of film. 
but just as sort of an ide ideology against like analyzing art, it's pretty hard to not feel like we've hit that point. I think part of it is the limits on technology. I think have to be the ultimate driver for new art forms. But I don't really know. Because with painting, it's not like much change there across hundreds of years. That's true. But definitely with music, it's like electrified instruments or synths or whatever is this like monumental change in the, the sonic palette that people have. But I guess with art, you can paint anything you want. Yeah, but, but I think we've stalled out in art too, right? Yeah. We've what? We've kind of stalled out with art too. I don't, I can't think of like, are people making original art? Oh, that art the computer makes the art now. <laughs> yeah, what do you call that? That's not postmodernism, that's That's pre-post. Alright. I'm gonna go on a little run here. Ooh, going on a run, swooping in. We were talking about Sonny Chirac, talking about Pharaoh Sanders. Uh, what did you think of that last song, Will? I thought it was sweet. Premium wine, launching back do in. <laughs> do you think it sounded like Chirac? Yes. Do you think it sounded like, like a rock? Watching it to KMD, it sounded like a rock. There it is, there it is, boy. Pharaoh uh, yeah. Sanders sample. There it is, there it is, buddy. So like we were talking earlier, that bass sample is from Pharaoh Sanders, just a tiny little part of the solo. Give you... I'm a thousand points. I'm thousand. It's like uh, picking a John Cale track, you pick the sub rock solo track. Or the prominent sub rock track. A doo doo lyric. What is it when you're just like poop focused? If there's like oral, anal, phallic, is there like a poop one? Poop? 
fecal retentive. I'm, I'm definitely poop focused in that I think poop is very funny. So didn't they have a side group called Constipated Monkeys? Yeah, so that, I mean, that comes from Guyland Kane. Like, he's the one who said Constipated Monkey on that. Um, look out for the blue gorilla. And then, yeah, there's a song called that on this. And then I think that was also, like, kind of Doom's, like, crew was called CM. Crew, Constipated Monkey, with, like, Curious George. Lord Seer, who's also on this album. So I thought this is definitely the favorite, my favorite beat on the album. Very much that beat. New York sound. Yeah. Disclaimer to the listeners, don't Google fecal fixation. Give me that back. Now you sing the blues while your eyes black. No need to front. No need to front. No, no. I see right through you. Very blunt attitude. Nonchalant. I do it before. If I be ghost, expect me back to haunt. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear, too, like, how we went from last week listening to Boogie Down Productions to this week listening to KMD kind of half a decade later maybe still impacting rappers I'm hearing the sound change sound differences well so Criminal Minded came out in 87 let's see how old Doom would have been It would have been 16. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. As we know, everyone's favorite albums are just whatever they listened to when they came out. 14, 15. 14 to 16. All Um, right. Take us home. All right. Taking us home. We left off with Guernica Irish Band that starts with G-U-E coming back from Gylan Kane. Look out for the Blue Gorilla coming back from Sweet Premium Rhine, KMD. We're on our way to Trio. But first, we got one more connection. Let's launch right into it. This is another Irish singer like Joe Rooney from Guernica. His name is John McCormick. And this is Makushla from 1901, remastered in 2004. One of the first ever recordings. Wow. Thousand points. He's singing in a tenor. So, Makushla is a transliteration of an Irish word that I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce. That means my pulse. So, it has the meaning of like sweetheart or darling. Folk song, as we're talking about folklore throughout the episode. This feels like a song that would play over a movie. As someone's like getting people are about to. Yeah. yeah. In front of a firing squad. 
just imagine John McCormick back in the day. He was like a pretty big star around America, I think, and Ireland. This is like the Lady Gaga of their time. Wow. So, you know, before sound recording, there was no such thing as a lost album because every song was just lost as soon as it was performed. Uh huh. You know, but music was kind of folkloric, so spontaneous, and in the moment, we didn't have to hear it recorded, you know? So it was almost, you know, you probably heard, oh, I, I heard this great singer, John McCormick, and everyone's like, who is that? He's like, oh, he's just a good singer. And then everyone's like, oh, I believe you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not really coming to any conclusions, but I think it's interesting to think about how the recording of music changed everything. The entire, yeah, way we conceived of music. Like the, the fact that you player were able to didn't sit even on your porch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And listen on my phone. Yep. I was going to say the record player didn't even come out to like the 40s. The phonograph like came out in 1877, Thomas Edison. And then there were like cylinder players that people would play this stuff on. But we don't need to get into that now. Look out for that on our other podcast, The Recorded History of Music, coming soon. And, uh, it's too good. too good. I didn't want to talk over it. Yeah. So Makushla, meaning darling or sweetheart, um, which naturally leads me into this song, which I actually forget what the name is, but I'm pretty sure it's something like "My Darling" or "My Sweetheart" from your album. Uh huh. And I this was one of my favorites when I listened. What's this one called? Oh, my sweet angel. Yeah, my sweet angel. Totally like a John Prine, like. I feel like this is in a movie too, like at the end of a romantic comedy with. Yeah, yeah. 80s. (laughs) Nice, great pick. And it's in English, which is great after all these like German songs. Those harmonies are pretty good, though. Yeah. yeah, special shout out to Anna on the album. Uh, Makushla Anna. Your sweetheart. Makushla. Yeah. Ma Makushla. My Makushla. Um, but I didn't like that song as much. Like a lot of the songs kind of switched up on this album too, which I thought was interesting. Like the style, yeah, kind of switched up a little. 
Yeah, I, I, what I liked about it is it, it was almost like imitating uh, American music in a lot of sense. But that could be a fun perspective. Yeah, like this almost sounds like a parody. Yeah, exactly. Of like... Uh, what's that guy's name? The Hallelujah guy? Leonard Cohen? Yeah. Great guitar solo. I was going to say, I got the guitar, free jazz right here. Also add the coworker who gave me this album is like half German. I think his mom is German. So I wonder if they were pretty big in Germany. I would assume so. I believe it. But they only put out a couple albums. Beat shift here. A little fretless bass. That's how you know it's early 80s. Every rock artist wanted a fretless bass in their songs. Is this like a drum machine too? Or is it just a really affected snare? I honestly can't tell. Yeah. Maybe it's a drummer like Ringo Starr. It's just like a drummer. The Germans are really precise with their rhythm. I don't want to make a stereotype about German people. Uh, I'm not even going to. But I feel like because the stereotype is they're like very punctual and like very on precise. time and precise that it's like totally. it doesn't translate to like soulful like soulful music <laughs> but so like them kind of singing my sweet angel it's like doesn't sound right or something which makes it better yeah it's just a little off yeah in a good way. <laughs> yeah um like this well, episode oh your sweetheart Nice. <laughs> See, like, this is a totally different vibe, though. It's, like, super German, too. This feels very Devo. Yeah, exactly. That's why I kind of reminded me, like, the new wave. 80s new wave feel. But even the drums on this are, like, techno. Early techno. Um, yay! If you like the episode, email us at connectingtheclassics at gmail.com or tweet us at ctcpod or you know, Venmo me at Will Hagel if you want. I'll accept it. I'm not going to tell Lee if you did that. <laughs> I'm going to give you minus points <laughs> for soliciting Venmos directly from the audience. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the episode? Feeling great. 
just keep them going. We've been uh, you know, pumping them out. So uh, check out our uh, our feed and uh, give us a like. Leave us a review. Hit hit the follow button. We uh, charted. We were songs. number forty three on Apple Podcast Music History Rankings. I saw that today. Woo. Yeah, go check out. This Not music. much competition out there. We had ten downloads. So yeah, check it out. We'll see you next week. Yeah, see you then. Just giving a behind-the-scenes look at the analytics. I'm gonna let this play out for a second. What was the Anna song that you played? Anna, come to me or whatever. Yeah. All right, let me stop it. Anna. Anna. <laughs> Oh, actually, the song you're referencing. Hey, we're still going to the podcast. If you're still listening, uh, I'll give you. I'm gonna give you the listener a thousand. I know thousand. Nine thousand points. Um, Anna, go to him is a song I played in the lost version of the podcast, which has been scrubbed from uh, Spotify and every service, but. It was a song by Arthur Alexander that actually the Beatles covered. Anna, go wow. to him. Weaving webs after the episode is over. Love it. And it's fading out for us. We don't even have to fade it out. All right, see you next week. Oh. Anna, Had it ready. You Wait, did you have that ready? You say he no, loves you more than me, so I will set you free. Because I was gonna say, forgot to mention at the top, but we don't, we don't uh, know what each other's gonna pick. You know, we don't do the pre-order. But you, hey, you can pre-order the book, uh, Mad Villainy. Look it up. Check out Will's book. We'll see you all next week. And we got one more song for you. All right, we're done.